it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Dynamo's Dozen. You're listening to Dynamo's Dozen. Now let's welcome your host, Team Dynamo Kelly. Welcome to Dynamo's Dozen, the podcast that we bring you each and every single week where we talk about whatever may be on our minds from pro wrestling, sports, entertainment, music, movies, muesli, fresh socks and jocks, and everything in between, never forgetting the talc. I'm going to have to start putting more emphasis on the entertainment side of things again uh, going forward because today it is probably going to be one of the strangest shows that I think we've ever done, considering the back catalogue that we've done, uh, talking about this man, when you think of the four Podman shows that we did back over in the Dynamo Podcast Network that are still out there, we might have to um, re-release some of those again soon, now actually thinking about it. Um, Yeah, today we're going to be talking about the retirement of Vincent Kennedy McMahon, and I am very happy to be joined by my brother, and your co-host for the day, stepping in for uh, the shopkeeper while well, he's a little bit under the weather. But shopkeeper will be back tomorrow. And Ted Irving, you'll probably be back tomorrow too. That's right. Ted from Retrotainment and the Recast is on. How are you, my friend? Ho- uh, hopefully back tomorrow. Hopefully we'll see. Yeah, uh, see if I can ma- see if I can make it. Um, we'll yeah, see. no, I'm I'm good, but um, you know, obviously this is a bit of a strange one. I didn't think we'd be doing this until. We were doing a goodbye, Vince, and I don't mean goodbye as in retiring. I meant no. goodbye as in the, the man's passed on. I didn't think we'd be doing a, a show like Vince. What's the WWE going to be like without Vince until the man passed away? Yeah, I honestly feel the same. Like, And, and I mean this in no disrespect, but I thought we'd be putting the two proverbial gold coins on the eyes to kind of Hey, yeah. Ferryman, to be honest with you, by the time we'd be talking about Vince done with I, th- I think we all did, you know, it's, and yeah. it's not disrespectful. Like, we all thought Vince was going to, like, and he said it on Pat McAfee's show, he won't, like, you know, he was going to do this till the day he died. Like, that's that was his intention, was always to just keep going. It's so surreal, isn't it? And I suppose what we're going to do today is we're not really going to, we're not going to talk at all, actually, about the whole, you know, supposed, alleged... um you know, uh, affairs and money paid here, money paid there. We talked about this before on previous shows and look, it's out there now for people to, you know, either draw their own conclusions or or not. I don't think, you know, it, it, it even listen to some of the the big boys in the world of wrestling that have known Vince, some of them have, act, you know, actively spoken out saying, well, they don't believe he'd done anything wrong by paying someone off. People don't. You know, there's no proof in certain things. So that's not what we're here to talk about today. What we are going to do, as you can see by Ted's background there, we're going to kind of, I suppose, pay homage in a way. And we will criticize also at certain times because, I mean, it is Dynamo's doesn't it? it is an objective show. And we give our opinions and, you know, we're held accountable to those opinions. But 
we're going to talk about you know the impact and that's really uh, you know what it all boils down to the impact that vince has had on pro wrestling we're gonna we didn't even write anything down for this this is completely nah, off I... the cuff um i mean this man was in control of wwe since 1982 so it's 40 years you know 40 years yeah. i mean it was a pretty it was a pretty quick gig for vince you know from taking over from his dad and then basically remortgaging his gaff and betting his life basically on wrestlemania being a success which yeah. we look back now it really was in 1983 you know it really really was yeah well, let's say, like i i can't imagine like my life without wrestlemania do you know what i mean like i've grown up and wrestlemania was always a big thing but when he yeah when he first did it it was a you know this was a big a big risk you know and he he, he did out he pulled out all the stops he was like right i'll go out and i'll get like actual celebrities in because you know i need a i need a global audience not just the wrestling audience i need the world watching yeah. and like you know they say that all the time the world is watching yeah. well that's why because that's what he needed he he went out he bet as he said like remortgaged the house bet everything every dollar he had on himself to make this work now and you know he, he obviously was helped along the way along with you know, all the wrestlers that were on the show and the fact that Hulk Hogan had shot to stardom, but that was a lot. Vince did a lot of that. You know, he picked cherry picked Hogan. He said, that's the guy I'm going to, you know, rest my company on at the start. And he's always kind of had somebody, there's always been, you know, the one big, big guy. And then there's been the, the other guys kind of propping him up. Um, and Hogan was the first, but you know, none of that happens without Vince and, that, like as you said, we're not going to talk about all the allegations and whether they're true, whether they're not, anything like that. But I, a lot of people have wanted Vince to retire for a long time, and you know, yeah, he's out of touch. He's a seventy-seven-year-old man, you know. Yeah, he's out of touch with what's popular at the moment. But people need to remember that, like, yeah, okay, maybe we don't love the product right now, but because he's a little bit out of touch. But without him, we don't have this product, and you know. We didn't get, we don't get all those memories that we've had, like all these pic, all these images I have behind me, like they don't exist without Vince McMahon. And to be fair, I reckon most people, the demographic of 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 listeners and um, viewers of this show, um, most certainly are in love with pro wrestling. Uh, yeah. Or certainly in WWE terms, anyway. You know, I know there's a lot of older people that probably did grow up that watch, you know, the, the territories that are, because we have a lot of States listeners, but I would say 80% of, of our listeners and viewers grew up and got into pro wrestling because of what Vince created, you know what I mean? Especially the likes of the early nineties, mid nineties, late nineties. And then, you know, Oh yeah. The, 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 uh, the absolute explosion then with, with rock and Austin. So, um, when we look at Vince, I suppose you, you mentioned Hogan there. It's it's probably good to start at the beginning because, you know, you mentioned obviously he helped. It, it, I think both of them guys owe their career to each other because yeah, I've heard people uh, on the show before shout out to Jay Kennedy. I know he used to kind of wind this up. Not a not a Hogan fan. Um, hopefully we'll have Jay on again soon. But I say, oh well, if it wasn't Hogan, it was someone else. But that's that's irrelevant because it was Hogan. And I think the, the the respect and the work ethic that they both had kind of coincided with each other. The Hogan was actually able to take the ball and run with it 
and and deliver what Vince expected of him. And I suppose they grew a brotherhood. And Vince has always had this, hasn't he, with his top stars? You know what I mean? He grows a grows a bond that's kind of um, it's unbreakable. And sometimes it gets broken, but then it always gets put back together in the end. Um, it's very unique, isn't it? Uh, it kind of thing with Vince McMahon that he has with a lot of his a lot of his his his, uh, his employees, really. Yeah, well, like, as you say, like, he has to rely on them, do you know? Like, he has to inherently trust Hogan, do you know? Like, when when he when he was like, right, I'm going to put it all on Hogan. I'm going to bet everything on Hogan being my top guy. Literally the trust that. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he had to trust that Hogan wasn't, you know, two years in going to go, yeah, I'm after making a shit ton of cash. Like, I can just retire. Like, he had to he had to trust that Hogan was going to stick around. Um. And like, as you said, yeah, like listen, it could have been it could have been anybody else, but and like here's here's the thing, right? As great as Ric Flair is, would wrestle like would wrestling have made it to what it did if you had Ric Flair instead of Hogan? No, no, because Ho- Ric Flair is as great as he is in the ring, and you know, um, as great as he is a as a heel, he doesn't have that charisma. He has a different charisma, like you know, kind of yeah, you can love him when he is the face but not the charisma the way Hogan had it um, to draw like crowds of like followers, like legions of followers. You didn't like people didn't follow flair in that way. You know, they, they liked flair. They support well, Hulkam- them. Hulkamania really was a yeah. big thing. I mean, like when you look at, I suppose another thing you pointed out that he got stars, like Liberace was a star. Muhammad Ali was a star. Like, I mean, there's Mr. Two T. Stars. Mr. T. But then, like Cindy Lauper, who was like the was face. Cindy Lauper, one or two. She was one, and she was one, the f- one, yeah. But she was she was actually the face of MTV at the time, and MTV had just yeah. exploded. So we tapped into that, and then you had all the whole rock and wrestling connection. Like yeah. Hulk Hogan was literally on every MTV promo and stuff. But not only that, Ted, the man was legitimately what well, he was billed at six foot eight, three hundred pounds. He was probably a good six seven, six six. And close to 300 yeah. pounds at the time. The man looked like a physical specimen. And when I grew up in the Hulkamania era, and it was like literally watching a real life superhero. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's there, there's you could point out someone that say, Oh, well, they had a look, but would they have had the work ethic as Hogan? Would they have had the charisma as Hogan? Would they have had all the components? I mean, you're talking about a guy who was bald as well. Yeah. <laughs> but that didn't but even like- matter. You know, it it's kind of similar to Rock Austin. If you jump ahead a few years, like yeah. out of Rock and Austin, personally, I'd always be like, yeah, Austin's definitely better. I love Austin, right? Yeah, me too. And you know, and that's even that's noticeable by like you know, Austin came back at Mania this year, and the like the pop he got. Like people love Austin, but they don't flock and follow Austin the way they do the Rock because Austin doesn't do, you know. And I know Hogan didn't have social media back then, but like that's one of the tools that The Rock has, and he's very active on it, and he's very, you know, he's a guy that people would follow. So if you if you had to make a choice between which one of them to pin your company on back in the 80s, it would have been Rock. Yeah, now, Dwayne, Austin worked Dwayne perfectly Johnson, for the time he was doing it. Dwayne Johnson has a similar charisma to the Hogan as well, whereas Austin could be funny, he could be dangerous, he could be all of that, whereas... You know, you knew what promo you were getting with Austin you, or with, with Rock. You knew what promo you were getting with Hogan, and they came for those, you know. Yeah. Those, whereas Austin built his career on being 
the guy that kicked his boss's ass, you know? Yeah, and, and I mean that that's that's what worked in the nineties because yeah. everyone felt that way. But yeah, in the eighties, everyone wanted a superhero to flock to, you know, they wanted to yeah. follow and adore someone. And in Rock and Austin, that was rock. That's yeah. and then obviously Hogan was it back in the eighties, and that's where Vince pinned it, you know, and like Vince told Hogan that he had to change his style. Like you go back and watch Hogan in the like in Japan. Yeah. That's not the Hulk Hogan we know anymore. You know, like Vince said to him, No, forget all that. Like you don't need to do all that. You just need to a few punches, a few kicks, you know, the five moves of doom or whatever. But he said it to like Hogan back then. He was like, You don't need to be doing all that stuff. All right. You'll get over because people will feel sympathy for you and they'll want you to win and they'll believe you can because look at like look at you. You you obviously can. Like they had to work together and accept like Hogan had to trust him and go, All right, boss, I'll you know, I'll pull back my my repertoire. I won't be doing all that stuff that I used to do. Um I'll be very bland and generic in the ring. Um and you say it'll get me over and I'll trust you. And it did. He created he created big fight feel. Uh, and you're right. Yeah. And Hogan was able to I mean, I think Hogan's one of them I don't want to spend too much on Hogan, but he was one of he's actually very underrated in the ring in terms of his selling ability and his 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 mm. ability to garner sympathy just by putting an arm out and you know he had that face where it looked like he was just he needed you to kind of come to his aid so and that that transcended both in the crowd and and uh, on screen and again that was the Vince genius as well it was like look you learned under Vern Gagne I know what Vern Gagne is all about he creates great wrestlers I don't need you to be a great wrestler I need you to be a superstar and that kind of brings us a little bit forward because obviously the first three WrestleManias, listen, the first, what, the first eight WrestleManias and nine, depending on who you're talking to, were all Hogan driven, you know, very Hogan driven. Yeah. Um, and they sold the tickets based on Hogan. So, I mean, I go back to my first point. The, both of them pretty much owe their careers to each other. Um, yeah. In 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 every way, I think, and it's um, it's it, it's amazing how, you know, Hogan goes this way, but still has the loyalty to Vince with the with the steroid trial. Again, I don't want to stay on controversies. Yeah. Um, even though he's even though he's gone, but Vince finds a new way then and starts bringing other stars in, and we can see two of them right behind you there and Brett and Sean. Um, yeah. You know, some people call them small men. If you were standing beside them, they wouldn't be small, but they were small compared to, you know, the warlords and, you know. Yeah, these six foot eight guys, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it was, uh, what, what do you think about how he reinvented the 90s? Now, it, it became very cartoonish in the 90s. We, we saw ridiculous gimmicks like the goon, which is the hockey guy and yeah and um, uh, repo man and yeah uh, man mountain there was a lot of them with all the (laughs) yeah like there's be there was a lot of them and then there was um you know it had gotten it had gotten a bit cartoony which to be fair would have worked in the 80s yeah but when we got into the 90s i don't think it would have survived if he hadn't switched to the likes of sean and brett um, I think he needed to switch to these more um, serious wrestlers 
if that makes sense, you know, and that's not a knock at anybody, but this is where a guy like Flair would have thrived because it was mainly about match quality. This is when match quality became and he a thing. At this time you know? too. Yeah. Yeah. And this, but this is when match quality became a thing. You know, back in the eighties, nobody gave a shit how good or bad a match was because how good or bad a match was depended on, you know, who won. That's all. Like you, you, you never thought to yourself, well, now that other guy was great in the ring. Like, so you saw Brett and Sean like killing each other, um, and there was plenty of other other guys as well. But like match quality, like Macho Man's match quality started to really mean something, you know. Um, and I think that's that's the way the the mindset had moved to, you know. And Vince Vince recognized that. And again, this is this is why he was so good because it might have taken him a little bit to recognize it. It might have taken an extra year than it should have. But that's because he doesn't want to take that risk again. He's already taken that big risk with WrestleMania 1. He didn't want to take the risk of, let me change up this style completely and hope it works because if it doesn't, we're in trouble. He waits and he goes, okay, this is this is what I need to do. And he went and did it. And we got Brett, Michaels, um, you know, and nobody can say they didn't love that. Okay, the, the, the crowds weren't maybe as big, but I think that was just a lull in the wrestling business at the time. Yeah, that, exactly. I mean, that was that was universal, and I think, I think as well, it, it goes back to the point that you 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 hear anybody that knows Vince has always said if Vince is actually the biggest pro wrestling fan, he actually does love pro wrestling, which never transcended, you know, onto TV after kind of the nineties. It was all about how you know how big a star you can be, but I get it. It's always going to be about how big a star you can be, but, but the quality of the match wasn't always. Um, the key points, whereas he kind of really, you know, gave Brett and Sean the reins. And this shows that he was watching these guys from their tag team um, days, yeah. which a lot of the fans had grown up with those tag teams as well. While they were cheering on Hogan, they were probably looking at, you know, Heart Foundation and the Bulldogs, looking at the Rockers, you know, in the demolition and going, Oh, I like these guys. And you notice as well, you start seeing the likes of Tito Santana and all these guys coming back a little bit more and being kind of, you know, good opponents for the likes of, of, of the guys that he was trying to build. I know he tried to build yeah. Lex Luger again with the Lex Express and all. And that was, that was going to be his Hulkama- Hulkamania Mark II. But it showed that the fans were actually like, no, Lex isn't our guy. You know, Brett's no, our guy. We, we don't want him. Brett's we early. we want you know we want a guy who's a technician in the ring, yeah. um, and as you said, like this is when Flair kind of stepped back into it as well, um, and you have to wonder like, well, why didn't he want Flair back when you know he had all, when he had Hogan and all these other big names, Hacksaw Jim and Duggan and things like that, because Flair didn't fit the mold that he wanted then, yeah. and that's not a knock at how like Flair's ability, he didn't fit what Vince wanted at the time, and then in the nineties he did, so. He allowed, he, went and got him. he allowed storytelling, didn't he? Because like yeah. you look at when Brett and Michaels were, were the champions, and they are the two key. The reason we're mentioning those two, it's not because of yeah. a bias, yeah, but- it's just because it's fact. They were you looked at Brett, like he was wrestling the likes of you know Bam Bam Bigelow and Yoko Zuna a lot, and it was shown that okay, these smaller guys have to be smarter, but they can garner sympathy because here's a big guy kicking the shit out of them. But guess what? Yeah. They have it up here, had to come back and, and know how to win. So yeah. He just and then he had boys like Razor Ramon as well, do you know? Like, yeah, Diesel, obviously, yeah, like these big guys as well. But you know, they could work, 
You know what I mean? It wasn't it wasn't just punches and kicks anymore. Like these boys could well, tell the story. Well, Razor Razor could work. I think I think it took took Diesel a bit of time. <laughs> he was kicked, but, but he didn't need to do anything other than yeah. But I mean, know, again, he's a around. he's a big seven foot. He's a big seven footer. The same yeah. as Yokozuna. Like I don't want to see Yokozuna doing suplexes. You no. know, here's a guy who's like six hundred pounds. All he needs to do is run into you, and that that should be it, you know. And that's, that's what they allowed, you know. He gave Brett and stuff the freedom to go right. Well, okay, your match doesn't need to be the same all the time. Okay, you need to have your moves, you know, that the crowd will pop to. Like, oh, Brett hit his um, you know, um, his elbow off the top. Brett hit like he's setting him up for the sharp. Like, you need to still have those things. Yes, a hundred percent. Um, but. The rest of the match will let you kind of work out how you're going to get an advantage over this guy. He let them have their reins a bit. Yeah, and it's kind of right. So, like, when you move on then, like, kind of to when, really, when the Attitude Era begins, um, you've got the whole thing with Brett and Sean, you know, the the whole Montreal screw job. Um, you know, we're not going to get into that either because that's been spoken about, you know, a million times. But obviously, it's important to just mention it a little bit because... You know, it's come out at a time, I'm just dropping this in here, it's come out at a time that, you know, in and around those two months that apparently, you know, seven million was paid off to someone, but they couldn't yeah. afford to keep Brett, uh, which is it's kind of, you know, it's kind of ironic when, you know, off the back of WrestleMania 13, where you're looking at, in some people's minds, the best wrestle match of all time, if not, you know, one of the best stories told. And that's where the newest stars created because obviously Sean was building up to coming back to being the star that, you know, Vince had hoped he would be. Yeah. But he had never quite got over with the, the crowd as a baby face as, as they hoped. I think Sean was always a better heel anyway. He was a better heel until his return. Yeah, until he was always 2.0. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, you know, so Austin comes out of this and this is really the start of the, and this is really what turns it all around. You know what I mean? Because yeah, you, you've let the guy go that, that has helped do this double turn and help create this new star with the program that they've built up. And I guess that guy's job is done. He's gone to the competition and the competition just start waning anyway, because they don't know what to do with anybody anymore. <laughs> but Vince knows what yeah. to do with Stone Cold Steve Austin. He decides, you know what? Off the back of of this, because Vince knows he fucked up in a lot of ways with the screw job, and probably wished he could have done it a different way. When you hear Vince talking normally out of character, he said as much, you know. But for television, it turns out to be gold because you've screwed a guy that's given you fourteen years. And now we're going to hate you because he's come out. He's tried to do everything. He decides, you know what? I'm not going to hide behind it. I'm going to put myself in the firing line here. I'm going to yeah, be. I'm, I'm, Vin- I'm Mr. McMahon. Yeah. I'm Mr. McMahon, damn it. <laughs> you can't say it without the, without the damn it, can you? But you know, like, as you're 100% right. You know, Vince had always been, like, he'd always been on the show. He was a commentator. He was uh, an Very interviewer. good commentator, by the way. Underrated, I think. Yeah. But like an interviewer as well. He 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 was always kind of out there and in like in front of the crowd, I suppose. But it was after the, the whole breath thing he went this and again it's his own genius. He realized I can't like there's no shying away from this. You know, the dirt sheets exist now already. People know what have ha- what's happened. They are like the general public hate me. 
only one thing to do, lean into it. And he did. He leaned into it and, you know, he was this nasty, horrible boss. And that that gave Austin, and again, as you said, like back with Hogan, he needed, Hogan needed him. He needed Hogan. Well, Austin needed Mr. McMahon. A hundred percent. Austin never gets to be Stone Cold Steve Austin without Mr. McMahon. Without a shadow of a doubt. Like, <laughs> this is one of my favorite moments. I'm just looking at that picture in the corner there, just above uh, Brett and Vince. You know, the things they done to this man, and then eventually the fans knew that the payoff, you know, Hulkamania's payoff was, you know, the pose down and, you know, the, the waving of the flag, the tome in the air to people. The payoff for fans in this era was that Austin was going to give you that and then give you the stunner. And, yeah. Uh, but like I even mean, remember that first that first stunner to Vince. Yeah. Like that was weeks in the making. Do you know it wasn't just right, get him out here and hit me. Slow you build. That was weeks in the making. And he yeah. he'd screwed Austin over loads. And you know, Austin had come out in the in the suit uh to do the interview with Vince because Vince had told him the week before, You're the champion now, you need to be wearing the suit and all. <laughs> and then he starts taking it off and he's giving him all this and he's and like then he sprays him with the the beer and all that but like he still never laid hands on him but then that first stunner okay it was shit Vince took the stunner it's the second worst stunner Vince has ever taken and the worst one was very the recent the most but, recent yeah yeah and you know that can be forgiven the man's yeah. in his 70s it can be forgiven but it's one of the worst stunners you've ever seen taken but that didn't matter nobody cared that it was a shit stunner you know everyone was just so happy to see Austin finally flip him off and just you know Hit that stunner and then walk out of the ring as like and nobody walks like Austin. Do you know what I mean? No. He's dropping shapes every every fucking step and you know the neck is fucking not as not as much as Dio Brown's neck, but you know the neck is going the whole time. With the face, like just... he looks like you know he looks like Phil and Selmo on steroids. You know yeah. what I mean? Just looks like he's then, literally gonna kick your ass. Even the way he held the belt, you know, like um. A lot of people will wear the belt out or they'll have it on the shoulder. Austin walked out with the belt kind of like not dragging on the floor, but you know, it was in his hand, but it would kind of hit the floor oh, because of the way dragging, he was walking. Yeah, kind of dragging, yeah. Yeah, like it wasn't drag it wasn't dragging in a disrespectful sense, but he was like, This is mine and it's not coming out of my hand, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he'd walk to the ring like that and then, you know, throw up the the guns like that and the, the belt to just kind of flop whatever way it flopped. You know, like, Austin was a phenomenon and like with that whole thing you got to see so much good stuff obviously you had you know Vince teaming up with The Rock to try and take well, out the, Austin I mean, the Mike, the Mike then, Tyson incident is one of the biggest ones as well yeah, that was yeah. so early on because that was I remember um, I remember when that came out people you know because I was still one of the only big pro wrestling fans around hmm. uh, around kind of my, my family and stuff like that and um, a couple of my cousins there were massive fans of like, you see, Tyson is fighting Austin. Like, it's on Sky News, and it was actually on Sky News, and um, because Mike Tyson had just got a ban after shortly after biting Evander Holyfield's ear, yeah. and they were saying he's coming back to ring, but it, to the ring in a different way. And you know, Vince's Vince's performance in that was unbelievable because when you know Austin, you know, gives him a little bit of sign language. And when yeah. Vince starts trying to kick Austin when he's out on the ground, he goes, you ruin it. You ruin it, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> and like you, you bought into it because it looked like those two boys were ready to kill each other. Yeah. And like, I, I, you know, I'm not... Vince is such a good actor, tough. by the way. Such a good yeah. actor. 
I'm I'm not doubting how tough Austin is, but you know he's not tough enough to be taking on Mike Tyson. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, well, not in a, you know we I not think we legit. Saw, I think we saw a bit of that in the ring as well, didn't he? Because when he gave him a little bit of sign language, oh, the yeah, velocity was... of that push from Mike, oh, yeah. <laughs> Brian Mike Tyson was like. I'd say Austin even felt that in his chest a little bit. And yeah, I'd say Sean the, was probably shitting himself when he had to fucking sell. I'd say he yeah, was literally Jer- Jer- Jericho said that Jericho said that he was shitting it when he had to take it as well. <laughs> and that's not a prime Mike Tyson. Jericho said that he was shitting it. He was yeah. terrified. He was like, I, I'm gonna get knocked out. Like and he it's was no like, wonder, but, you know, it's no wonder Michaels was on pills going into that match. He was like, I'm gonna need yeah. something to numb the pain of disconnects. Yeah. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like we had Vince as like the super serious bad guy there, right? And then the picture just above me here is he's still in that feud with Austin. So he's still this horrible, <sighs> mean boss. But then you've got Mick Foley coming in and he's doing all these, you know, Mr. So- and like that's the introduction of Mr. Mr. Socko. And, it, and, you know, he's had his run-ins with McMahon before where he's been dude love and Vince has screwed him over. And Vince gave him the hardcore title as a joke, which, you know, as much as that was a joke, you know, this beat up, like broken up title. It became one of the favorite titles of the entire world. Like, um, but like you could see, like Vince had that, you know, as he said, his acting ability, like he fit into that, like, oh my God, not Mr. Socko and all that. And then the, I'll take it, for, I'll take it from here, nurse. And the fear in Vince, in Vince's face when, like, we all know it's Austin because we've heard him talk. We're like, it's Austin. And Vince notices it as well and then gets clonged with the bedpan. Like everything Vince did for that. You know, he put over Mankind Massive in there, put over Austin again, and then he comes back to the, the show a couple of weeks later and he's still putting over everyone around him while being the big mean boss. Yeah, it was it was amazing. Like, he, he had that comedic value too. I mean, that, yeah. that, that picture you've got there of him just meeting Mr. Socko, like the facial expression on Vince alone um, yeah. is fantastic. And then... You know, if we look at the picture beside it, I mean, that was fantastic when he did eventually buy his competition. And, uh, you know, the jury is still out there. This is for a different show. The jury's still out there whether they went the right way once they, they bought the they WCW. They didn't, but that yeah. was, And Vince went the wrong way, to be fair. It was, it was ego-driven, you know? Yeah, it was rushed. And it um, it was rushed. It was e- There was rush, there was ego. And then there was the fact that a lot of the big stars were like, we can just continue to get take like take the pay that we were getting and sit at home. But and then, they did but that. then you look at some of the guys that didn't take that, and they, yeah. they like DDP is a perfect example. I mean, what a yeah. waste! Yeah, and, and I'm I'm not I'm not saying that you know, you know everyone, but you know, imagine you had that invasion angle, right? And you had Goldberg coming in as your like because Goldberg was the antithesis, like he was the opposite of Austin. And Sting, you know? Sting he was WCW's was also, Austin. Sting was the big one. Yeah, well, Sting. Sting was a little bit different because Sting held out for a very, very long time. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you had Austin and Goldberg, you had the NWO coming in, and I mean the NWO is just the three boys. You know, if they'd come in at the start, um, if you'd had, you know, well, we'd already had Benoit, Malenko, uh, Perry Saturn, and um, Jericho still come out, and, 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 and like, all, like, yeah. they'd, they'd already come over. Yeah, like they'd already come over, but there was still a lot of big names there. Do you know what I mean? Like Rey Mysterio hadn't come over. By that point and then but i think you know the two, lot- the two for me were definitely though i mean look realistically it took a while i mean we only saw the nwo coming in once that had all died down because again ratings yes. had gone down so they were the they were the three that you wanted the three original nwo members you wanted yeah. goldberg and you wanted sting in his prime for undertaker yeah. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So and like, yeah, Sting's a, Sting's a little bit different because obviously he held out for a long time. But a lot of the boy, like those other boys, just held out just long enough to get their pay. And you're like, I don't blame them, but it did hurt Vince. But then if he had them, would he have used them that way, or would he just have buried them to, to you know, kind of say, "Well, fuck you, Hall, Hogan, Nash, you guys fucked me." So yeah, you're just gonna get beaten easily. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like again, with Jared, all right, on live TV, didn't he? He was like, yeah, the unemployment. Well, Jack. That's that's because Jeff Jarrett really fucked him. Uh, well, back then. Now, now there's context because we can listen to my world with Jeff Jarrett, who's a good friend of the show. Oh no, uh, I, 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 I'm his... not saying Jarrett did anything wrong, but you know, Jarrett was like, like his contract was up and he was still the champion, and Vince was like, "We'll just pay you this much," and Jarrett was like, "No, <laughs> pay me double." Yeah, you know, yeah. and like I'm not saying like, but obviously Vince would have felt very. You know, he, he would have had a lot of hard feelings to Jarrett because of Oh, that, no, but... no, no, 100%. I'm just, I'm just throwing that in there. But uh, when you, when but like you, you see, like, you as you said, Flair his face in, there. But yeah, his when face when Flair, Flair comes in, in. With the consortium and that famous speech with when you sold the bid to the consortium, the consortium was me. And, yeah. you know, we're we 50% see, owners. Well, we got to see a lot of entertainment, uh, entertaining stuff with, with them too then. Obviously, you know, Vince, when he done that whole walking around with the robe with the blue robe and the the little hair piece on and they obviously yeah. had that match where basically it was like a crimson massacre we saw oh, vince Jesus. we saw vince with hope oh my god vince that match where vince when when he comes he up from up behind the, with the big yeah with the big smile but his big bloody face again that's just it's so funny and i know i, I know vince probably didn't mean it to be funny he meant it to be like you know intimidating and stuff like that but he has to know that when he looked at that he was like yeah that's one of the funniest things i've ever done you know and you you see it again like and you know it's it's one of those like uh you'd see it like as a very big thing and like memes you know um i think the actual scene is when stacy keebler comes out and she's like dancing on the desk and she wants to be a secretary but you see the meme all the time of you know vince faces like he's kind of smiling and then it gets bigger and then bigger and then he's like and he falls off the chair and everything. And you're just like, <laughs> this is a guy who is a multi, like he's a multi-billionaire, owns the company. He does not need to be making a fool of himself out there. And I know like to an extent, people are like, oh, he's not making a fool of himself. He is like, he's still going out there and being, you know, silly and getting his ass kicked and, you know, doing comical things. Um, well, didn't Stephen, Stephen Regal said that, didn't he? William Regal, sorry, but yeah. I'm yeah. using his real name. But, uh, yeah. William Regal said that. When they were saying the kiss my ass club, kind of you made a fool of, and he said, "Listen, when you've got the boss of the company coming out and pissing his pants live on TV because he thinks he's going to get shot by yeah. Stone Cold, and it's a little bang thing, you know, he's willing to put himself in the firing line. He kind of has you over a barrel as to what you're." Yeah. And then when Vince has to kiss the ass, and you know, The Rock brings out all these people, and he brings out Trish. Yeah, and then Vince is on his knee, like Vince on his knees when he thinks he has to kiss Trish's ass, and he's like, <laughs> and then Rock's like, uh-uh, no, 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 and then Rikishi comes out, and you're like, this man owns the company. There is no way he needs to put his face into Rikishi's ass here, but he does. Do you know, like Vince didn't take himself too seriously in that sense. Do you know he he knew that sometimes he had to be the butt of the joke. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it, a hundred percent, and it's. There's so many, there's so many moments. Um, I suppose like one of the things I'd like to say from a personal standpoint, um, because everybody on this show knows and they're probably sick to death of me hearing it, 
Um, one of the biggest moments was obviously when he brought Brett back. And, yeah. you know, you see Brett and Sean now like that, which is great to see. But when Vince basically allowed himself to just get beaten around the <laughs> ring at WrestleMania by vicious chair shots <laughs> that were, yeah. some of them were laid in. But you could be um, guaranteed that that was Vince saying, lay them in on me. You know? Yeah, well, Vince Vince originally wanted a match, and Brett said, "I can't do a match because I'll lose my like I'll have to I'll lose my settlement claim." Lloyd's of London, yeah. Um, with Lloyd's of London, and Vince said, "Right, well, I'll work out a way to get you in that ring against me, where it doesn't affect that at all because you won't be taking any risk, no bumps, no nothing. Like you will literally be standing the entire time." And like Vince worked it out, and he goes, "Right, I've found out a way," and he's like, "Right, you come out and you just beat the shit out of me with that chair, you know? I I did you wrong." All right, lay, lay them in. Uh, I'm not a young man anymore. Don't kill me, but you know, lay, lay them in. I I can take it. You know, like and even even much... the start of that, even the start of that, you talk about someone making a fool of themselves. You know, convincing Brett that he screwed him again. He was oh, like, yeah, with oh, the whole family he got the whole family, and then the whole family bet the shit out of them, and they all he, he took a few bumps from all the family members, and some yeah. of those some of those family members probably hadn't worked in a while, and some of them were actually potatoes. So yeah, I'm just using that as an example of the man as well, you know, because it's yeah. easy to it's easy to kick a man while he's down, no pun intended, yeah, but and- it, it is, but behind i think we even got to see it in pat mcafee which is kind of sad that it might be the last interview we see of him i don't think it's the last we've seen of vince in a public forum personally i no, think um, we'll probably see him again i think he's too proud not to be not to be seen and, and not to go down fighting in some way shape or form um but he does care you know what I mean? And I think a lot of these guys he cared about, you know, it's easy for people to throw stones and goes, ah, well, he had his favourite Shawn Michaels and, you know, John Cena and whatnot, blah, blah, yeah. blah. But well, why shouldn't he have a favourite in John Cena? That guy was making money from, you know? And let's not forget, like, we all loved Cena for a very long time. Then we, you know, despised Cena for a little while. And then Cena went away for a little while and he came back and we all loved him again. I've never despised John Cena. I just want to say that. For no, the record. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not saying any any individual people, but like oh, no, as a as a whole, the wrestling community despised Cena for teasing. for a little while. You know, they were like, "Oh, nobody wants me." The kids still loved him, but like the adult wrestling community all despised him. Oh, nobody'd ever want to see Cena. But then it, when he went away, we were like, "Actually, yeah, we we do want to see Cena, and we want him back." Like. I mean, yeah, like it's just, you know, it's stuff like he's always going to have conflict with people because you're, you know, as much as Vince's ego has been talked about, you're dealing with people that want to be stars. And once they get to a certain level, they believe that they are the man. Case in point, CM Punk, you know, like he was willing to make himself look like an idiot in in some of those segments as well with CM Punk. Um, Yeah. So it's, He'll always do what's best for business. I know that that coin has been termed on TV, but that's obviously their motto behind the scenes as well. What's best for business? It was Vince's term, you know. And you know, when you look at that little picture there of Steph and Hunter on either side of you, like they were coming yeah. Vince, out. Vince is in the Vince is in the middle behind yeah. me, but I know you're Vince at the moment. That's what I'm saying. You're 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 yeah. The Vince I'm I'm the Vince at the moment. I'm the Vince on this at the moment. And they're basically yeah. they're going with his narrative. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. 
look, things are going to change a lot, which we'll talk about tomorrow. But as we kind of wrap up here, it's going to be, it's kind of like, even though it's probably best for business, <laughs> best for wrestling, that it's happening at a time where you've got somebody who's still young and thankfully healthy enough in Triple H, thank God, um, yeah. know, his, his, his health is back um, to its best, or hopefully it is. And obviously Stephanie, who has grown up in the business, and I'm sure Shano will 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 have some some um, kind of role back there. Um, it's it's kind of it's the right time anyway. Maybe under the wrong circumstances, and maybe you would have liked to see him go out on his own terms a little bit. I I would. Yeah, like I'd I'd have liked to get a goodbye Vince McMahon show, which we're not going to get now. Um, you know, uh, we might get one in five years when this is kind of blown over and like i i do want to like preface all this by listen none of us are claiming that vince is a nice person like he's been very nice to some people but he has done some very questionable things in his life and a lot of them he's admitted that he was wrong um and, and a lot of them he he won't have um and this whole scandal like you know there's no smoke without fire and I, I know, as we say, it's innocent until proven guilty. But the fact that he has stepped away and has retired, it really does add, flat, like, you know, credence to some of the stuff that's been said. And this isn't us, you know, giving Vince a free pass. It's not us saying, well, ah, just forget about everything that, you know, that Vince may have done that's been wrong. That's not it. But don't forget how much Vince has, in, like, impacted your life as a wrestling fan. Because over here in Ireland, probably wouldn't be a wrestling fan. Um, if it wasn't for Vince McMahon, because I wouldn't, you know, like there wasn't really much wrestling over here. Um, you know, anyone that was Irish or English, you would have got, you might have got World of Sport every once in a while, but even World of Sport was kind of on its way out in the nineties. Um, so it's it's not a free pass of Vince McMahon, but it is a, you know, a thank you for giving us something that we've all loved. It's it was it's been time for him to go for a little while. Um, his finger isn't on the pulse. He doesn't get a lot of modern things and I, I said this to you off air yesterday um things like the new day where they were wearing like these bright colors and he was like you guys aren't big enough to be wearing pink and dancing and all that and he and they were like no you don't you, you don't get it like we we can get this over like people will enjoy this and they'll like that we make video game references and vince was like well i don't get it but if you want to try it um and like uh xavier woods has come out and said like that to get that to happen he had he had to tell vince like I'll put my career on it. Like I'll bet my career. If if this doesn't work, fire me. I'll that's it. Like fire me. I'll leave the company. No questions asked. And um, that's how much he believed in it. And Vince gave him that shot. Um, but it, Vince, for all he's done, he is out of touch now. And we probably did need to see him go. I think this was the something like this or him dying was the only way we were ever going to see him step away. Um, and neither of them are good choices. Do you know? Um, I'd have liked to see him go out on a more happy note. Um, I don't. I'm not saying any like us or anyone else forgives him for what he did, but this show is more of a thank you for you know entertaining us for the years and and you know giving us something that will continue to entertain us hopefully for a very long time with um with a new new person at the head, um steering the ship in Triple H and Stephanie like. Yeah, and I, I I back up everything you said, and, and like I said at the very start, a lot of these allegations at the moment are still alleged. Um, I do agree with what you said. 
there's no smoke without fire. I am not condoning anything or taking away anything from any any victims or certain victims or whatever. Um, look, I've called out Vince in the past for you know how many pro wrestlers didn't get looked after after giving their pretty much their bodies, um, you know, to, to the business and and probably should have a lot more respect above their name. You know, I've campaigned for a long time about Dynamite Kid, as you know. Um, how his name isn't even, you know, mentioned on WWE is is beyond me. Um, especially when you look in the modern era, when you you look at all these young guys and girls that basically said no. We look back on his tapes, and that's he's the guy, you know. And yeah. um, so, I've I've got plenty of um, plenty of things that annoy me, but but on the whole, um, you know, you know, when we look at our uh, our lifespan as professional wrestling fans, you hit the nail on the head. Like it's all thanks to Vince really. So this is essentially what this show is about. It's thanking Vince for the service that he provided on screen. And that's it. We're not privy to what goes off screen, goes on off screen. Yeah. um, I got, I'm, I'm so happy that, you know, Vince made, like I'm happy he killed the territories in that sense because it gave me the chance to watch pro wrestling, something that I have loved since I was a kid, still love now. And unless something goes really, really badly wrong in the wrestling business, um, in terms of like the product going like really bad, um, I can't see myself not loving it in the future, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that is probably all we've got time for. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow because we are going to be uh, talking about the next next chapter in this story, which is, of course, the great Triple H, who is now in charge of creative. And uh, we're going to be looking forward to that. We're going to be looking forward to SummerSlam. We're going to be looking back on Raw. And we're going to be looking ahead to probably an even bigger show than Raw with the, with the, um, with the go-home show on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Um you know, going into SummerSlam. And of course, there is the little subject of Ric Flair's last match as well that we're going to be talking about. So um, all that and more tomorrow. Uh, the shopkeeper will be back. Um, but until next time, Ted, thanks for stepping in for uh, the shopkeeper. You're, you're, you're really, your tombstone, Ted, you're, you're wrestling, Ted, you're, you're anything you need to be. Um, and we, uh, we appreciate you, brother. Yeah, no, it's it's always great to be on. Um, as I said many times, I love pro wrestling. I love talking pro wrestling. Um, I might have a lot of very different opinions. Uh, to people, I'm a super positive pro wrestling fan. Um, very rarely good hate anything pro wrestling. Good. Um, so I'm I'm a little like some people might get annoyed by stuff I say and you know me bigging stuff up and saying oh no it was a great show. Um, because they might not like it, but if I if I ever don't enjoy wrestling, I'll stop watching it, and that's the truth. Like I'm not gonna watch something if I hate it. Um, I'm not gonna like I'm not spending three three to six hours a week watching something I dislike. But if I'm not enjoying the product, I'm not gonna be watching it. Ted, um, some people have still said that I've been. Some people have called me too positive lately. Imagine, mm. go figure. Yeah. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, there's a, there's a lot of people out there that are very negative about pro wrestling, um, and all they do is complain that their favorite guy isn't on the hop. And yeah, okay, sometimes I'm guilty of that, but overall, I'm a real positive wrestling fan. So 
I, I love talking pro wrestling because I, I love watching it, you know. And that's why you're always welcome on this show because there's got to be a yin to the yang sometimes as well. Opinions yeah. are there for a reason. We don't all want to be singing from the same hymn sheet, but otherwise you've got mass. And with that, <laughs> nobody likes mass. And with that, that is about all we have time for. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow. Um, we will be, Ted will possibly be on as well, um, depending on schedules. Um, but until next tomorrow, <laughs> Dynamo and Ted are over and out. <laughs>